0: Can I just start? Yeah. Cool. You're listening to the Do More
1: Good podcast. The Do More Good podcast.
2: The Do More Good podcast.
1: Do More Good podcast.
3: We're in Nordwijk.
1: All the way from Nordwijk.
3: All the way from Nordwijk. How do I pronounce that? I I, I don't know.
4: (laughs) We are in Nordwijk for the 2023 International Fundraising
5: Congress, and this is the Do More Good podcast. You're listening to the (laughs) doom. (laughs) Good. Just do more, people. Just do do more. Doesn't matter
3: what it is. Good or not
1: good. (laughs) Welcome in Belgium, where the local time is now one fifty-six. In a few more minutes, we'll be arriving at Brussels. For those of you continue to Rotterdam or Amsterdam, enjoy the rest of your trip. We will be handing over to a colleague from Amsterdam, who will be train from Brussels to Amsterdam. Thank you for choosing Eurostar for your journey. We wish you all a pleasant day. Nice one. What's
3: your It's right.
0: W R I G H T.
6: Uh, first name? James. James, excellent. Thank you, James. <laughs> and are, you, uh, are you also with uh, me? Yeah, I'm with so Kenneth,
0: yeah. Fantastic. Lovely. Well do, you too. Thanks
7: a lot. Here we are, James, back again for the Do More Good podcast, live from the IFC in Amsterdam.
0: 2023, Kenneth, we are back. It's only taken us a few years since our 2019 <laughs> appearance here to be allowed back.
7: Well, uh, yeah, I think
0: it was your three-year ban that probably, uh, <laughs>
7: probably did it. But
0: my God, it's good, it's good to be here, right? We had, a, we had a tough journey, but it was good to have finally arrived. Yeah, it
7: was a bit of a tough journey, as you said, James. Long trip from home this morning, caught up on the train, bit of work, mm. but that delay took us around Amsterdam the, or wherever. The, the poor Australian Antwerp. couple that sat next to us. The delay meant that I then bored them to tears with the history <laughs> of the Do More Good podcast. <laughs> uh, but the future listeners, nice to have you on board. Yeah, but we made it. We made it here, and we've been here about an hour so far. Yeah, checked in, walked down to the bar, bumped into a few faces already, had a few conversations, and yeah, I, yeah just that general positive feeling that there yeah. was walking in there. Right, like I think you said it. You said it yourself. Calm, calm before the storm
0: <laughs> it was nice wasn't it so we bumped into Villa Kay, who um, is firmly becoming friend of the pod and she asked us what was the feeling what was yep. the feeling around the hotel we talked about how friendly it was we walked into the bar I mean, we did have to buy our own drinks, which is which is rare for us, isn't it? I Very true. But people were quite welcoming, you know, inviting us over to their table, having a bit of a chat. Everyone's just, you know, happy to be here. The buzz firmly in the room the night before
7: it kicks off. Yeah, and you know what? Like we, we said it earlier, I forget that actually people listen to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sounds surprising, but a couple of people have already come up to us and uh, yeah. asked you for an autograph, and I know. Um, you I know, know, heard the stories. You then think back. Actually, what have I spoken about on this podcast? Does everybody know everything about us? I don't know. It's, it's exciting. It's really good to be here. Looking forward to the next few days. I just wanted to ask you about the theme for this year is Unite. Mm. And I was reflecting on that as we went, as we checked in, went to our rooms and just kind of gave it half an hour just to, to settle in and let the phones charge. I flicked on the TV and, of course, everything that is going on yeah. in the Middle East, It was it was quite... Quite sad t- to see, and solidarity to all those that have, have have been affected by what's been going on. But it just made me think about the word unite, and actually that seems like part of the, the solution here is uniting, and, and it'll be interesting to see how that manifests itself over the next few days.
0: Yeah, the more that we can do to unite, the more that we can understand each other, the better things can be, and that's firmly what IFC is about, isn't it? It's about sharing knowledge, sharing cultures. we were chatting to a couple of Americans and there's somebody from Copenhagen we were talking to earlier on. We've been here 20 minutes, so yeah. lovely stuff.
7: Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, just just meeting some people then, we were talking about ideas and, and, and sharing anecdotes about careers and about jobs and about challenges that we face. And I think that's really what this conference is all about, is, yeah. is the openness of everybody. Everyone is is open to conversations, to questions, to sharing their insight. And yeah, there's going to be some, uh, hopefully, some really exciting and interesting conversations over the next few days.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we've also talked about the exciting outfits that will be on display at the gala dinner
7: on Thursday night. Yes. Uh, We have come packed this time, haven't we? It's a good job they don't have kilogram limits on the Eurostar or your outfit would be uh, overbearing <laughs> to those, um, those trains. But yeah, we're all prepared. We're ready to go. It's on Thursday night. It was a great event in 2019. The real celebration of everything IFC is, allow everyone to let their hair down a bit, have a bit of fun. So yeah. that will be uh, something to look forward to.
0: So we've arrived on the Tuesday, finally. And we've just about
7: made it in time for the welcome
0: drinks, which are going on behind us. You might yep. be able to hear that kicking off behind us. But that sense of getting everybody introduced, meeting new people, making everybody feel welcome, is firmly a part of today, isn't it?
7: It is. And I'm just flicking through this excellent oh. catalogue oh, okay. that you prepared for us. I mean, James even went to the point of having branded, <laughs> what are these things called? Uh, Treasury tags. Treasury tags. Yeah in the do more good colours but he's he's done an absolutely sterling job just kind of laying out what sessions we're going to go to who we're going to speak to what we want to try and take away yeah absolutely and then we have got a
0: busy couple of days ahead we've got to fit in a couple of interviews in that various sessions we've got a lot of people to talk to and a lot to get done haven't we
7: yeah we have as we sat down to have our first drink of the event we asked someone at the table about their reason for coming to IFC and and actually understanding that the there's obviously a cost involved in attending here and it it does take people out of the office and that's something that people often working in not-for-profits have to get signed off they have to get approval they have to show what return are we going to get from that investment but actually she gave such a brilliant answer about the experience she had had actually I think that that was a real kind of positive to start on and maybe we'll drop that into to the podcast at some point later in this episode Absolutely. Yes, we should. And it is an investment coming
0: out here. And, but I think we will hopefully showcase over the next hour or so why that's important and that you should invest your time uh, and maybe some of that training budget in coming out to Nordvik.
7: Yeah. Right. Back to the ball. Lovely stuff. See you in a bit. Just, talk, just keep it quite close. Right that here. Talk. Is How's it too close?
8: Sound?
9: I'm not media trained. You don't
7: need to. You don't need to be. Are we recording, James? So James, we're here in the bar area. We have literally just got to IFC. We, we sat down on a table. We were invited to join a couple of guests. Christine, hi, how are you doing?
9: Hi, I'm good.
7: Thank you for joining us so early on in your IFC experience. So we were just talking about IFC. It is quite an investment for charities. Yeah. Tell us what it was like when you were talking to your organization about coming to IFC this year.
9: Sure. This is my third IFC. And every single time it's been absolutely brilliant incredibly inspirational, they provided this space to have these really theoretical, deep conversations to really learn about our sector in a really meaningful way, but also provided this amazing space to take really practical pieces of work away. So frameworks or tools, networks and connections, and what I was able to show directly how the work I was able to implement in my role as director of fundraising at Terrence Higgins Trust, the work that I was able to implement came directly from the learning I had from IFC, and therefore able to kind of show the value that existed by being in this space.
7: Because it takes a bit of a, a leap of faith, I guess, for your superiors to actually put up the investment to say, okay, that's a good thing, because mm. you're talking about what will come. The ROI that you're getting from visiting here, maybe isn't as easy to, to compute?
9: Yeah, I mean... It's a really big challenge because learning and development isn't something in our sector that is necessarily revered or invested in. But it's also one of the most fundamentally important things. We have a lot of young new fundraisers coming on board in the sector. Fundraising itself is such a specific profession and specialism that deserves the respect it commands. That comes from investing in learning and development. and The networks that you get from being part of the IFC, and the Resource Alliance hold you in such good stead as you develop across your career, and they introduce you to so many great ideas that you're able to bring back. And it might not be a direct ROI, but guaranteed, because you've been here, you are better at your job, you're a better fundraiser, and you can ask the questions in such a more concerted way that gets you closer to your donors and your organization closer to achieving its mission.
7: I think we can wrap it there. Perfect. You're listening to the Do More Good
10: podcast, live from the International Fundraising Congress in 2023.
4: Please welcome to the stage Director of Programs for the Resource Alliance, Ruby Chadwick. There we go. <laughs>
11: Welcome to IFC 2023. I can't tell you how lovely it is seeing all of you here, all your lovely faces. So over a thousand people are part of IFC this year from 65 different countries. I am about to introduce to you somebody who is wildly unpopular. So, so, so unpopular that they have been banned from authoritarian countries. And actually, I couldn't think of a more perfect person to bring to IFC to talk to you all today. So it is my absolute pleasure to introduce to the stage Erica Chenoweth.
12: It's great to see you. How's everybody doing? Thank you so much for the invitation to come and join you in conversation and discussion about a topic that's very close to my heart. The topic of people power. The topic of how we come together in times of turmoil uh, and walk through as a human family to something better. I have a lab at Harvard called the Nonviolent Action Lab. wrote a book called The Emotions of Protest. And in his book, he did a whole bunch of research about what is it that people are feeling when they feel like we can do this, I can do this, I can make a difference, I can make a change. And he said that there's a combination of feelings, outrage and hope. Those are mobilizing emotions. And emotions are subject to our connections with one another. And so uh, if you take anything from the presentation today, I hope that you will take that together we can encourage one another to stay outraged and hopeful. Thank you.
11: so much that was incredible thank you for coming and sharing with us and giving up your time we really appreciate it thank you for reminding us how powerful we are together ifc is so much more than an event it's a coming together it's a movement it's a community this is your family for the next three days so i hope you have an amazing time thank you again so much for coming ifc 2023 let's do this here we he go, man.
0: There we go then, Kenneth. Just out of the plenary session, the keynote speech for this year's IFC, and that was that was some big stuff, right?
7: <laughs> yeah, you're, t- you're telling me, James. I mean, I'm about to uh, go out there and you know, stop bringing people together and try some of those tactics. No, yeah. it was, uh, yeah, it was a really interesting area, right? All about kind of breaking down power, mobilizing communities, obviously very intelligent person who's put all of that research together and wow, just showing yeah. kind of some of the insights from over the years of, of, of communities and how they've come together and overturned tyrannical leadership, yeah. etc. Yeah, very interesting, very interesting.
0: Someone needs to do that at the Do More Good podcast. They absolutely right? do. <laughs> that
7: That's exactly what I'm planning right now. I'm just trying to <laughs> mobilize a bit of a community here at IFC to take you down.
0: We caught up a, with a little bit of it there in our show, the summary show, but we were lucky enough to be present for a backstage conversation with erica earlier on and we're going to release that one as a separate episode
7: yeah i mean it was pretty awe-inspiring being in the room actually and just just hearing it firsthand as as you and i did and get the opportunity to ask her a few questions about bringing people together so yeah that was really good and then yeah we've had some interesting conversations this morning already haven't we We have we've we've, yeah we've been (laughs) Here, there and everywhere. Yeah. Um, seeing some sessions. We're about to go to another session. Which one are you going to, Have you got? Well, I'm not sure. We were gonna there were two, weren't we, that we
0: had down and uh, you'll go to one and I'll go to to the other.
7: Yeah, I'm just having a look on the on the app and yeah, there's quite a few of them going on now, but we're gonna jump in there at half past three till five o'clock and then we've got another conversation later. Yeah. All
0: right, lovely stuff. Enjoy All your right.
7: sessions and I'll uh, I'll see you back here in a bit. You go that way, I'll go that way. See you mate. Later. <laughs>
0: So I played a nasty trick, and I offered you a sticker without actually telling you what was required by me Mm -hmm. giving you the sticker, Mm -hmm. and I've tricked you into this. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but could you give us your name and your (laughs) organization?
13: My name is Katerina, and I work for SS Children's Villages, Germany. Lovely Um, stuff. Yeah. Great. And how has your IFC been so far? So far, very good. And you know why I took the sticker? Because it reminded me of the masterclass I took part in it was decision making science and we learned something about this reciprocal thing so I took the sticker and while I was taking it I realized oh I'm in you know, deep something, <laughs> because now I have to give something back, yeah. because he gave me something, so...
0: Yeah, yeah. and here we are, here, we, here are we are, giving are. back. Yeah. Is, this, uh, is this your first IFC? Yes, been it oh, is. great. Yes, okay. it is. Yeah. All
13: right. And initial feelings about it? What were your very first good. impressions? Very good. Very good, mm. very vibrant, uh, very international, very well organized, a lot to choose from, yeah. maybe even a bit too much, I felt... Yeah. Felt quite uh, overwhelmed, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, very positive. It is tricky,
0: isn't it? Because you look at the schedule and you see such amazing sessions, and you've got to pick between them. It's quite hard. Yeah, Yeah, it is. Yeah. Did you talk to people about it before you came? Yeah. Did you have a level of expectation beforehand? um, What what did people say?
13: They said, you have to go. It's uh, almost unbelievable that you work for SS for many years now and you never have been. So um, actually, it was feedback from my direct colleagues uh, from other countries and they come every year. And uh, yeah. Good stuff. Yep. Okay.
0: So, yep. will you be seeing them tonight at the, at the gala mm-hmm. dinner? Yeah. All mm-hmm. right. And uh, you know <laughs> where this is going. Do you have an outfit? How, are you no. prepared for this at all? Oh, my
13: God. All the questions come off. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. Okay. Usually, um, I love costumes. And, you know, in Germany, carnival is a big thing. Big deal. So, my colleagues and friends said, oh, why don't you just wear your dindle? But no, I can't do that. It's a traditional. Okay. But very dress to be honest, I have nothing. I just dress up a little bit and then uh, I... I'd and we'll be fine. And yeah, I yeah. admire everyone who has the courage to come <laughs> in a full costume. Great stuff. <laughs> just before we let you
0: go, mm-hmm. could we ask you just to pick one of these cards, <laughs> read it's the question, <laughs> and, then just, and then just answer it for us. Anyone you like.
13: Okay. Shall I go? Yeah. Who would you credit with giving you a chance in your career? Oh, Wow. It's a deep one. Mm. It's certainly my father who always encouraged me, supported me. Um, But I also had a very fantastic boss in my first job who gave me all the freedom or all the chances to experience things, to leave traces, to explore new paths. So father and first boss.
0: Sounds like a great combination. (laughs) You have earned your sticker. Thank you very much. Cheers, we'll see (laughs) you later on. Thank you. Thank you
13: very
5: much. So we are here at the International Fundraising Congress in 2023, and you are listening to the Do More Good podcast.
7: Hey, James, just got out of another brilliant session on the science of supporter experience. Hosted by a chap called Ilya da Costa, who was a fundraising data strategist, works for an agency called Donor Voice, who who specialise in that area. It was really interesting for me, because it's probably not an area that I would typically lean into, but I think that's probably the point of IFC and why we're here, is going and understanding and, and, and delving into areas that you wouldn't maybe see in your, or your typical day-to-day job. Um, but it was all about segmenting audiences, it was all about understanding your donors, and giving them an identity, and then looking at how the data can allow you to retain, acquire, and steward those donors based on that identity. Uh, One of the things that really kind of stood out for me was he said at one point that most fundraisers believe their job is to persuade everyone to give, Um, but actually when you break down that myth and you look at the identities of donors, it's all about understanding. It's all about understanding what their motivations are, what their commitments are, what their, what their connection is to the cause. And that will allow you to properly uh, steward them through the experience with your organisation. So, yeah, I've got a couple of pages of notes. I need to sit in a quiet room and digest it, but definitely some things I can take away in there. And I look forward to kind of thinking about that in the context of, of my role at my organization um so yeah great one but i'll catch up with you soon i'm just off to grab a coffee
0: so it's wednesday afternoon first sessions and the one that i've just been to has immediately knocked out of the park amazing stuff there were two presenters would you mind just introducing yourself and your organization
14: Um, Sure, my name is Speer and uh, I run an agency called Be Bold out of uh, Norway. And we work with strategy and fundraising really, mostly for the Norwegian market, but also somewhat internationally. And with me, I had my colleague Mikal.
10: Yeah, Mikal. I've been in
0: um, this company for uh, one and a half years. And Mikhail, uh, we, we met each other in the bathroom just before we walked into yeah, the room. Yeah, so you were very hand. polite, <laughs> <laughs> holding the door. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Uh, and you just did a session on finding your strategic niche, which really appealed. But it also included throwing paper at people, which, you know, I, f- I feel like that's, that's lacking in many presentations. Yeah. Uh, so I particularly enjoyed that bit. But the first section that you touched on was the four common problems that you see when talking to organisations. Do you want to just touch on those, uh, those four?
10: We are out in uh, many organizations uh, working with them and we often see the same problems everywhere we go. And the first one is that they talk about everything and maybe all at once.
8: It's
10: an exercise really to be focused and uh, try to be clearing your message uh, so that people can really understand what you're doing.
8: Uh,
0: Second one was around integrated marketing.
14: Yeah, so the second problem is that we find that very often you do a whole lot of campaigns through a year, but this really isn't a good connection between them. So there's no consistency. You might talk about completely different things every time the donor hears from you, it's something new, and suddenly there's Christmas in the mix, but it's not connected to what you talked about before or after Mm -hmm. Christmas. And we find that this means that you can't have that consistency, which builds a stronger message over time where people actually... Really get what it is you do. I mean, a a core tenant of marketing is that you need to hear something seven times before you remember it. And if you're hearing something new every time, then Mm. you never really get there. Maybe even hear it for seven years. Yeah, (laughs) seven years. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: Yeah. Your third point was around complex problems.
14: Yeah. So uh, obviously, with with being in the charity world, the problems we are trying to solve are very complex. And I think we also have some sort of the opposite of a superiority complex. I can't really remember the word. We think that we need to explain why we're important. And we Mm. think that we need to do that using big words. That's just not a good way to bring donors uh, on board. They can't understand what you're talking about. And they don't understand what it is that you do. So uh, it really is about taking those complex issues that we work with and trying to break them into bite-sized pieces, uh, something that's understandable uh, for the donor. Hour. As uh, Steven Green says, offering a, a fixable problem, a donor-shaped hole. Yeah. So it needs to be broken down from the complexity into the utmost simplicity.
0: Yeah, I loved that And then that got a, 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 almost like a ripple of applause throughout <laughs> the room at the, about the donor-shaped <laughs> hole. That was lovely, a nice yeah. point.
14: Well, Stephen Green has the honour for that one. So <laughs> we'll pass it good. on.
0: Yeah. We'll pass it on. The fourth one was around... Disparate uh, teams across an organization, perhaps siloed teams. Yeah,
10: as well. uh, what, w- what we see is that uh, you do the best if you cooperate and s- sit together mm. and s- to solve the problems. But we very often see that that's not the case. They are divided in s- different rooms, different floors. Uh, they don't do work together to yes. solve the problem.
0: Yeah, we did have fundraising on the penthouse suite, didn't we?
14: Yes, uh, our our little illustration, uh, illustration, we put fundraising at top. I mean, in reality, more often than not, I think the fundraising team sits in the basement of the building. But, you know, you can always dream. (laughs) One day. One one day, day. perhaps. Yes,
0: we'll get the views. Yeah. Yeah. Then we moved on to talk about saying fewer things over time. And I think that was was one of the problems that you addressed and repeating that so that people have the understanding. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you gave some example, but something like, Google doing one thing really, really well. Everybody knows that it's a search function just allows that understanding, doesn't it? Well, they?
14: exactly. That's a really good example, actually, because they started out being just that search engine. Well, when they started out doing well, they were just that search engine. Mm. I mean, now we go to them to, for our news for, to have stuff translated, to buy stuff, all that. But if they had done all of that in the beginning, yeah. they wouldn't have been able to build the brand and the position of where I go when I need stuff. If yeah. that's what they started out saying, you wouldn't have been able to get that message.
0: Yeah. Yep. And it's maybe a little simplistic to say that Yahoo tried to do that by, by flooding their homepage with all sorts of different exactly. things. And it, and it didn't work. For whatever reason, yeah, it didn't, yeah. didn't work out. Lovely stuff. You then brought in menus, which was quite <laughs> nice. Made it understandable for us with references to Gordon Ramsay. Do you want to just touch on, on, a, on a menu and why we talked about that?
14: I mean, we've all walked into that restaurant probably somewhere warmer on summer holiday and you get like a really thick book of a menu with pictures and loads of words and a thousand options and that's rarely a sign of a very good restaurant right and mm. uh, usually it's a sign of getting something barely edible yeah so that's when we bring in gordon ramsay to start chopping off the menu <laughs> and making sure that we end up with what is actually a high quality menu few items that are clear and understandable and well advertising really yeah
0: you invited us to write our own menus for our organizations and i would suggest that people listening to this perhaps take five <laughs> minutes to do that
14: yeah, and I think you'll find sometimes... I mean, we found in the, in the agency that I run, uh, when Mikal uh, started working with us, the first thing he did was go through our homepage and mm. uh, write down all the things it said that we offered. And it ended up being something like 90 things, which is like, oh, no, <laughs> we're one of those people with a massive menu. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I think most charities find that as well when they start writing out all the programs they have, all the stuff that they do that they want people to care about. It's actually yeah. a menu that you just can't expect people to read, read through. All
10: right. And if you also try to group them, you see that there's some way to organize this. Yeah. And it may b- being clear that, okay, this is something we're on. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we can find something
0: here. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of
10: all the 92. Yeah, 92 <laughs> <different> items. Things, <laughs> you know, we're doing.
0: Everywhere. Actually, maybe there yeah. are
14: four headlines doing the 92 yeah. things, right?
0: Yeah. Um, okay.
14: That summarize them in a good way
0: nice lovely yep. stuff um throughout all of this you use the the Norwegian Salvation Army as an as a case study for this and that worked really well particularly with around the umbrella approach yes. so where we talked about that and then the kind of three different sections of that
14: yes yeah, so to just continue the analogy party we brought umbrellas <laughs> into it what we find again with the with the headlines that Mikhail just mentioned you might find a wide overarching summary something that sort of uh, works as an umbrella over most of the other stuff that you do you are then able to fit like a narrow campaign message on top of that. The umbrella kind of fits everything else in under it. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense without the visuals. <laughs> no, I think it, it, it should yeah. do,
0: shouldn't it? Because that's the, the, the one message that you are trying to portray, that, that everything else fits underneath and yeah. is sheltered from the rain. You've got your spike up at the top that's yeah. your campaign message, and that flex to whatever the current news is,
14: yeah. And And as for the Salvation Army, for them it meant that the umbrella that they... Talked about was poverty, mm. and that was the strategic niche that they were able to dominate in Norway. Talking about poverty, you can put those little spearheads on top. You can talk about food queues or summer camps or whichever things, but they all have to relate to poverty, and that has to be sort of the overarching message. Yeah. And all the other programs that they do can be brought in over time uh, later on, when once they are cemented as the authority on poverty in Norway.
0: Yeah, nice. And that led on nicely to taking things forward. Uh, And the other things that they offer are equally brilliant, but perhaps sit underneath that umbrella. And how do you take those teams with you? That's not going to be easy to do that.
14: It's never easy because, first of all, no change is easy. And what you're doing when you're focusing on one primary message is that you're basically saying we're not going to be talking about these other things. Mm. And for some of the people in your organization, those other things are the most important thing in the world. That's what they get up for in the morning. So that has to be done well. They have to see how those things are still part of the larger picture. Even though they're not getting the headlines, that doesn't mean that what they do isn't important. So managing that is a tricky job and it's certainly a job that management needs to be involved in.
0: Today is Wednesday. Yeah. Tomorrow is Thursday night and and I know you're presenting again tomorrow, but tomorrow evening is the gala dinner and the myths and legends theme. I'm guessing from the summary at the very end of your session that you will be going as Bruce Springsteen.
14: (laughs) Of course, the man, the legend, the myth, yes.
0: Because you gave a really nice example of going to a Bruce Springsteen concert and and how that should uh, apply to campaigns as well.
14: Yeah, so the most horrible concert experience you can have is if you go to see a legend, right, someone you've admired, you know all their songs, and you get there and they play only their new music that you've never heard before. I mean, maybe you've had one guilty listen before the concert, but you haven't really—you don't know that music. And if Sp- Bruce Springsteen did that, even he would get boos from the audience, right? Mm. Um, he knows that he has to mix the classics in. Uh, and maybe the classics actually need to dominate the concert. But you can then sprinkle in some new messages as you go along. But first, you have to establish your uh, status as a legend. And you have to keep feeding people the same message the classics that they already know and then you can start dripping in some new information in there
0: lovely stuff thank you both very much menus umbrellas bruce springsteen you covered it all what's not to like right thank you very (laughs) much (laughs) for seeing the bar thank you
3: thank you you. bye you're listening to the do more good podcast uh, live from the international fundraising congress in 2023
7: Okay. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Can you just let us know
3: your name and and where you're from?
2: Uh, My name is Alice Ferris. I'm a partner with Goldbusters Consulting based in the U.S.
7: Ah, okay. Welcome. So you've had a long flight over to ISE?
2: Yeah, just a little bit of one. (laughs) Yeah?
7: And what does your role involve in a day-to-day sense?
2: Our consulting practice works primarily with smaller organizations, so Mm. more grassroots, and we like to say small and mighty organizations in the U.S.
7: Amazing. And so... IFC has been a brilliant experience for us. What are some of the highlights that you've experienced so far?
2: Well, I've had, I think, two takeaways so far. Um, one was from the opening keynote,
7: mm-hmm.
2: where at the end, when they said about, you have to have the emotions of outrage as well as hope. Yep. And I think when I've talked to some of the organizations that are struggling the most, especially over the last few years, it's mostly about the hope piece. And then I went to the session about finding your strategic niche, mm-hmm. with Beata and Michael from BeBold. Because right. she was talking about the overwhelming big menu that you get at restaurants sometimes. Yeah. And what does that mean? The big menu means they're not good at anything. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And the small, more curated menu it means that you are good at things. And right. so she was encouraging nonprofit organizations to focus their their efforts on that small menu.
7: Amazing. So you've got some great takeaways already. And oh, we've yes. still got uh, probably 24 hours left of the, the conference including the gala dinner do you, do you have a fancy dress outfit we've heard that it might be fancy dress
2: I don't have one but mm. my partner Jim does okay and he has won the fancy dress costume contest yeah. twice in the last several years wow so there seem to be a lot of people who are <laughs> curious as to what his costume is
8: going
7: oh, to be oh, <laughs> that's exciting <laughs> we need to get Jim on here later on uh, Alice thank you we've got some cars just for some questions I just wanted to ask you to um, if you can pick one okay and then just read the question and answer it that would be amazing yeah I'll take 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 one from the top
8: okay
2: Uh, if you could give your 20 year old self some advice what would it be that's a very good question I think what I would encourage my 20 year old self to do is something that I just encouraged my 23 year old son to do which is to travel right which is to go out there and do an adventure and get outside of your normal existence because I really wish I'd come to IFC earlier.
7: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you and me both. <laughs> Alice, thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the rest of the conference, and thank you. yeah, hopefully we'll see you soon.
8: All right, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, just
7: on. Oh, thank right, James, we're at the end of day one, and we've got one exciting thing left to do today. Yeah, we're going to go and watch a movie. We are. Get your
0: popcorn. <laughs> see you've got your slippers on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it looks exciting. I'm looking forward to
7: it. Yeah, First so First
0: screening in Europe, isn't it?
7: I think it is, isn't it? So I'm sure many people listening to this podcast will have enjoyed Dan Palotta's TED Talk, all about charity overhead. And a filmmaker has got hold of that story and, and basically extended it out into a feature film-length documentary called Uncharitable. So we're going to go and watch that this evening. Saw it on the socials uh, a few weeks ago really like the the original TED Talk. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited, actually. Yeah, I'm really excited for this.
0: There's a trailer, isn't there? You've seen the trailer? There's a trailer. I think so I, we'll link to yeah. that in our show notes so you can watch it yourself. From what I hear, there might be a screening or two in London. We'll find out more. We'll Let's, find go, out let's more. go and watch it.
7: Find out more. Right. Popcorn at the ready. Wine gone packet uh, rustling. Smuggled and in. Smuggled in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, away we go. Right. Nice one. Let's do it.
12: I have a vague recollection, of body memory, of balance. And I remember my dad.
0: Good morning Kenneth, Uh, day two at IFC and uh, we're sat here with five minutes to go before first sessions today and you can you look around the breakfast room and everyone's looking at the app deciding on where they're going off to Boston 15 or Oxford 22. Um, How are you doing?
7: I'm just confused about anyone who has pastry and eggs for breakfast. (laughs) I mean you know what's that all about? I know there's a wide selection but you know you either go one way or the other surely. (laughs) Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, it was quite an eclectic mix for breakfast this morning, but I think it
0: follows on from quite an eclectic evening last night. We went to the screening of a movie, which we'll have just featured, but after that we'd failed to have dinner, so we missed out on dinner. But you came to the rescue there, didn't you?
7: Oh, yeah, what was that? Um, 20 euro doner kebabs? Ordered and delivered to the conference center yeah it wasn't my finest culinary hour but it, it hit the spot because we were absolutely starving i just don't know how we missed dinner yeah. but no it was a good evening i thought i think the film which we will obviously kind of drop in here was as good as i hoped it would be you know like we've spoken a bit about it uncharitable is what we're referring to and it was just brilliant like it just kind of reminds reminds you of i guess why we do what we do but also about the struggles in charities like that overheads message yeah And we're probably going to record a little bit more around this, but how many times have you spoke to a friend or a family member and and said you work for a charity and they say, oh, uh, do do you get paid or is that... You know, just that kind of mindset or that understanding that the general public have or think about charities just isn't what we need. We need them to think about it as a professional organisation. We need them to think about it like businesses that can invest, that can look for profit, that can... Uh, spend on overheads and, and yeah, not to go into too much detail, but pretty inspired by the film. Yeah, yeah, it was very good. It was very good.
0: So we did finance last night. What have you got planned first session this morning?
7: I'm looking at a storytelling one actually. Friend of the show, Ben Swartz oh, got a uh, you know I, that it one would was... be a doing more good episode if it didn't have Ben Swart in it. So. No, exactly. So I might I might head along to that one. I know a member of my team has recently been on one of his training courses. Oh yeah, that Bryce. they were bright spot yeah. um yeah one of the bright spot uh, sessions and, and really enjoyed it and, and really enjoyed working with ben and, and about storytelling and, and certainly i think where i am in my role at the moment understanding how we tell those stories in a fundraising context or or getting further thoughts i think that's that's the thing about ifc right we all know how to do our jobs like because that's what we do day in day out but actually just some of the gems of nuggets of, of information or insight uh, or experience that you might get from a session may just help you take a slightly different direction on something. So, yeah, I'm going to do that. What about you? What nice. are you going for?
0: Well, I've admitted defeat to our robot overlords, and I'm going to go to one on AI. So we'll see. I'll try and catch them after the session and see if we can get a bit of a summary of why we need to behave ourselves around our Alexa devices, because they'll be in charge soon. So, um, yeah, I'll catch up with you at lunch. All right, take care, mate. Nice one, mate.
2: We're in Nordvik for the 2023 International Fundraising Congress, and this is the Do More Good podcast.
0: Hi there. We've just captured you walking past in the corridor here. Could you give us your name and what you've done here at IFC? Uh,
15: yes. Thank you for inviting me anyway. And uh, my name is Remy. I'm from Amsterdam. I'm one of the owners of Creative Composers. We have a special uh, event agency for Nature First is our main course. And what we do here is a spatial design for IFC. So we bring the hotel to life in its purpose that it
0: needs to be in for IFC. It looks amazing. Thanks. As we've been walking around, everything's really consistently brilliant everywhere we go. And you designed this space behind us as well. The original idea behind that was around a photo booth, right?
15: Actually, it was around our own booth. So all the partners having booths in the partner village. But we also want to have a place where we can invite people, be here and show what we do. And also to make it a unite place because yeah. the team is unite. But where in the hotel you unite at places where you can hang out, feel good, but also in the part that you need to make a good photo of it or a good video of it. Yeah. Because where you make a photo you have to good a good idea of what's going on in the entire hotel. It's so like in one frame. A little bit part of what you see through the entire hotel
0: yeah nice and that's why we picked here to do some filming because it looks so cool behind us absolutely you mentioned that you're here today to set up for the gala this evening can you give us a sneak preview as to what might be involved there um yeah it will be
15: mythical and there will be a lot of legends Yeah. and the people go there will be blown away because i think many of the people are coming never seen this before but that's not the only reason why I'm here because one, the Gala night is also a little bit secret because you have mm. to look forward to it, to like n- unknown what's coming up because that's also in life. A lot of is already known before what I'm going to do tomorrow and it's when it's a little bit secret, then it's, you're getting more excited and that's what you try to, to achieve today. But I'm also here to experience IFC yeah. and be here to meet the people and be around in a good atmosphere
0: with yeah with good organizations and half of it is the networking isn't it it's talking to amazing people from around the world doing great stuff yeah. self-included so yeah. yeah and you too <laughs> thank you very much yeah. well we look forward to seeing this evening seeing well. what comes comes to life with myths and legends nice one nice to meet you thank you
7: by the way can you sit up straight a second like because before today if i'd said to you you're going to care about stories so much that you're first of all going to care about the audience, then you're going to figure out if w- what that audience most is influenced by, then you're going to listen to an example, then you're going to listen out for it, and then you're going to share... This is the level of obsession that is required to help you improve your storytelling skills. So just really quickly, there's a clap for that guy. Hey James, I've just got out of a brilliant session hosted by Ben Swart, friend of the show, and, and Sally on the power of storytelling. It was brilliant actually, really energising, really gave us all an uplift, made us question ourselves, question our organisations. And it was all about giving people a voice and, 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 and finding those stories that can best represent and show the impact of your cause. So they talked a lot about being curious in finding stories in your organization, finding that one individual that we all know that has got those brilliant and amazing stories and really digging deep into the who, the what, the where, the when and the why, um, connecting people to the work of your organisation. So yeah, it was really enjoyable, Um, came out of it feeling very inquisitive, wanting to speak to people in the organisation, wanting to find those, those gems of examples that I'm sure we all have, but actually what I took away from the session was maybe digging a little bit deeper, finding those little anecdotes, those examples of how your organization has really had an impact. And you only do that by, by being curious. So that was the, the message that I take away. But yeah, I'll, I'll see you soon, James. Great session. So please tell us about yourself, tell us your name and, and where you're from.
1: Hi there, I'm Harold Pecker. I'm from Seattle, United States. I work at Microsoft. I'm a AI for nonprofit lead. Wow. Excited to be here. That sounds like an amazing title. We look
7: forward to uh, asking you a couple of questions about that if you don't mind. Can we just give you one of our cards? So we have some questions yeah. on these cards that we've written prior to, to coming here. But if you could just pick a card and then read it out and give us your answer, that would be great.
1: Okay. What life hack, habit, productivity tool or skill does everyone need to know about? Wow. Okay. I got something. In the end of the day, We have control over how we spend our time and what we do with our time. There are demands on us from others that we may or may not have control over. But what I think makes a huge difference in my life is if I actually take these little moments throughout the day or the week to plan ahead and say what truly matters to me and how do I want to spend my energy and my time. And I go to the next level where I'm going to block time to make sure I actually have that time to do certain things. And so my uh, life hack that helped me the most is to basically say I have control over how I spend a good chunk of my time. Not 100%, but a good chunk of my time. And I need to be in charge because if I'm not in charge, somebody else is going to come to me with a bunch of stuff and have to be reactionary and always feel behind and bad For not following up on stuff so i want to be proactive about this so that's my life hack
7: that's brilliant thank you so much enjoy the rest of the conference and thank
1: you for talking to us thank you it was a pleasure after five years of
7: producing the do more good podcast we've decided to give our audience the chance to support the show with increasing costs of hosting james's obsession with perfection an exciting list of ideas and interviews there is now the opportunity to join our do more good podcast community through our very own patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash do more good pod from just three pounds per month you will get a personal thank you from us access to our growing community and help us keep doing what we love and sharing the stories of people doing more good we're immensely grateful for your support just head over to our patreon page at patreon.com forward slash do more good pod thanks for listening
0: Kenneth, we've just found a couple of official, confirmed BDIFs walking the corridors of IFC. Um, Hi both, we've got Louise and Rebecca from TPX, how are you both doing?
16: We are good, yeah. obviously very honoured to be BDIF <laughs> yes. hashtag BDIF 2023, yeah, we think official,
17: official, official BDIF, yeah. yeah. I think
16: we can Probably take this BDIF
7: it. thing on a little bit more, you know, I think over the the years to come there could be a, a BDIF awards, Ooh, even, nice. you know, yeah. I mean we've just given out our first stickers. Yeah. For, for listeners that don't know what a BDIF <laughs> is, uh, maybe Kenneth, <laughs> do you want to explain? It is a big deal in fundraising mm. now nobody actually quite likes being labelled as a big deal because it's yeah. a bit mmm yeah. but you know we're in that privileged position you coined the phrase about five years ago it hasn't it stick- on <laughs> it hasn't on. but it's it's this is your year 2023 d- it's
16: spend, happening that's right 2023 yeah, yeah.
0: is when we finally realised we had an entire book of stickers <laughs> with BDIF <laughs> written on them and we had to zero waste yeah. zero <laughs> waste exactly exactly <laughs> cool. how have you found it both we're, we're day two
17: yeah it's been amazing been yeah. great really lovely energy I'm still really loving that back in person seeing people in the flesh with Mm. their full bodies in front of me it's really good
7: tell us a bit about what tpx does and just a bit of background to the organization that'd be useful
16: yeah so tpx impact so we work in kind of the sort of social impact purpose-led space generally we're working on the full spectrum of digital strategy products platforms experiences marketing and also think about transformation. And when we say digital transformation, like what we mean, particularly in the not-for-profit sector, is actually how is digital and technology supporting you in your outcomes and your goals and your missions? Everything that we're doing, we're centred around. It has to enable you to actually deliver your goals and your impact. So that is at the heart of everything that TPX Impact stands for and does. So does
0: that mean, have you been going to sessions on digital? Have you found that as your safe space and you've been going to those and learning more or have you branched out and done other things and and been to different sessions?
16: So I accidentally branched out this morning (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I blame a poster that covered the full number of a room and I found myself in a session where actually it turned out I wasn't planning but talking about managing funds the insurance sector how that can support international development when you've got like emergency funds and investment in insurance like it was really not what I had planned for 9am on day two of IFC but, but actually really useful and also opened my mind around like actually how you move funds how things like actually blockchain are helping mm-hmm. kind of mm. securely kind of get money out into the field how you can deploy funds quickly so it's really interesting totally not what I meant to go to but <laughs> they're I'm normally the fun ones though
7: right they're yeah, the fun right? ones
17: No, she's an expert yeah and <laughs> Rebecca for
7: you what just interested in why is there just the three of you here from the organization What's that decision making when you're kind of sat back in the office and you know that IFC is coming around and, we, and you look at it and you think, right, we have to be there. Can you just talk us through what some of the kind of business decision making is behind that for you?
17: Yeah, there was probably a couple of key drivers for it. I think it's so useful to be in the room and having spontaneous conversations with people about what's going on in their organisations, what's causing pain, starting to get that view of the world of where are there trends that we could potentially support with but just understanding what's moving what's changing, what their challenges, and actually there's so much overlap I really enjoy meeting leaders in the sector who are grappling with leadership issues or governance issues or, you know, recruitment because they're similar and we can really relate. So it's about, for us, it's really getting an opportunity to immerse ourselves in the sector and, you know, gen up on what's important, what a charity is worrying about now, what's the next thing coming Mm up in fundraising that might derail or or detract people from what they're trying to do. And I think, it's been really interesting to go to some of the AI conversations here. They've Mm. been great at actually breaking down what is it? It's nothing to be scared of, but you've got to think seriously about how you're going to use it to get the best of it.
0: Yeah, that's firmly a theme, isn't it? That is running through every yeah. session, whether it's yeah, you know, is it on your track or not on your track. Yeah. AI comes up in everything. Yeah. There, I'm just
7: it? interested in in, in your organisation and the planning that y- that you do. And you you talked about there about listening and a lot of what you come here is to to hear what people are talking about, to hear what their challenges are. As an organisation, how do you how do you map that out? Do you set out a track for yourselves for the next three years and say, okay, we're going to specialise in these types of areas? Or do you let the market dictate the track that you take over the next few years?
17: Probably a little bit of both. We have a vision to be the sort of purpose-led agency of choice in three years that's where we're working towards and we started from a really great place and we've had a bit of our own internal kerfuffle that's distracted us a little bit and we're kind of back out on the road so I think what makes us different and what really drives us is that we've worked in the sector mm. so I've worked in digital transformation in not-for-profit but also in the commercial sector and now I'm running an agency So, you know, we know where we're headed. We really intrinsically understand the issues. Mm. So we overlay what's the technology landscape, what's the organisational landscape that people are grappling with, what the external factors, what can we do to support that, and how do we need to evolve? Because I think it's a constant dance, right? We need to level up in order to meet your opportunities. We can bring something to the table that helps unlock new opportunity within the organization just by having a conversation Mm. have you thought about this or can we give you some thought leadership around this Mm. so some of it's a little bit organic but Mm. we definitely know where we're going Um,
0: and as you say there's some of the magic that just happens here whether it's in the bar last night giving Lou a bit of a look there at the bar (laughs) um, last evening or whether it's conversations just bumping into each other in the uh, you've invested in three people coming here you obviously see the value in just in being here rather than you could potentially get some of this content in other ways but being here and in the room is so much better.
17: I'm a really big believer that actually a lot of the magic happens away from the screen and I think we are so caught up in a kind of remote hybrid working way now and we feel like we do important work at the screen and I don't think that's true I think you do your important strategic work when you're Moving around, you're interacting, just having that space away from the noise of Slack, your email, Mm. just that moment of sitting on the coach and then something drops in. For me, I'm always into the team, they don't take me up on it enough, get out, go and do stuff. So it's a really big, you know, we're committed to the sector and, and doing things like this shows a commitment to the sector and we get masses, masses from it. We're just
7: just on that, on that topic, I think you're completely right. <laughs> and actually, I remember kind of coming here on the train myself and thinking, shit, I've got sort of four days out of the office. I had a new starter yeah. in the team last yeah. week. I know the team's got quite a lot going on. Like, there's a few proposals. You mm. know, there's a lot of things mm. going on. Like, actually, it's not the right time. I'm, feelin- I'm feeling guilty about that. I'm feeling guilty that I'm actually going away just to kind mm. of spend time with people, to hear what's going mm. on, to attend a few sessions. Mm. But actually, having spent time here, I now don't feel guilty any longer. And actually, as part of my learning and development, it feels like it's been really valuable because it's given me a bigger picture. It's allowed some of these ideas that I've had yeah. to breathe. It's led to some interesting conversations. Do you have a similar connection with that, Lou? Does that that feel like that for you?
16: Yeah, 100%, because I think what this isn't is... A it's not a transaction. You're getting out what you put in right. This is a community of people who are, like, they want to make change. They want to make impact. And to be around that energy, mm. it changes the dynamic mm. of your mindset. It opens you to new cultures. We have completely diverse kind of people in terms of the way that they found their their space in the sector. And so being exposed to that. I think is a really valuable input into, like Rebecca said, we will leave here thinking, wow, okay, when you speak to people on the front line of what it is to be a fundraiser, a modern Mm -hmm. fundraiser Mm. in a fast-changing world, that kind of insight you couldn't have quantified. So you would feel guilty about coming here and feeling like, well... Where's the report that I might write? Where How do I sort mm. of quantify this back to the organisation? Yeah. But you can't quantify, like, this is research, like, this, like mm-hmm. this is what this is. It's all insight, it's inspiration. But yeah. it's also challenging our mindsets because what Rebecca said, you know, we are committed to the sector, which is why we come and spend time with the people who are delivering day in day out whether that's service delivery, designing services, transformation, fundraising starting a new organisation like Mm. they're the people who are living this so we need to kind of walk in their shoes a bit
7: Nice.
0: And you're you're firmly committed to this sector because not only are you here with one hat on but you're here with your FemMentored hat on as well it seems like there's a big reunion here you've got five of you in in the building (laughs) Yeah, I know.
16: well and funnily enough it's full circle right so in 2019 I spoke on a panel with Rebecca Elkham who is Director of Strategy at Resource Lights and that's how we met the relationship kind of was created out of that chance not chance meeting mm. but really again it's kind of creating a community it's the same sentiment as as what the resource alliance are doing for the global sort of fundraising community is actually where you're aligned on your values what you care about and how can you support other people on their journey you know when we were starting out mm-hmm. in the sector you know rebecca knew that saved the children i was at bernardo's like this network didn't exist and yeah. there weren't women leaders like me and Rebecca, and we talk about the sort of time leading digital transformation agencies, yeah. mm. that just wasn't the face of the sector, and so to be able to be part of paving the way for other women to yeah. come into this space like yeah. that is we sh- are strong sort of advocates for that and Rebecca is a huge supporter of me doing this and mentors people on my programme speaks at th- all the events for us you know yeah. this is we're putting back in mm. what we want others to take out. Amazing. love it. Sorry yeah. I, I it really felt like the soapbox come out there. <laughs> no, no 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 no,
8: not, at all. <laughs> but not my, at all.
17: My closing word is that Lou Lai is the big deal in fundraising she is a BDIF uh, like supreme <laughs> it's <going> because <laughs> In your career, you work with a handful of people who will always stay with you, and Lou is one of them for her passion. And just her excellence of work. She does her fem mentor. She's on a board of trustees. She is so committed to the sector. She is the big deal in fundraising. Oh, what well,
7: a nice note And not I'm
16: very tired, very nice. so I actually will
17: cry.
16: <laughs> <laughs> well, I know
7: James has got a full body wax booked in, ready in for his spa. outfit outfit yeah. this evening. Yeah. So uh, we better get off to that. Let Still you get off. On on the dance floor I'm later. not coming with you to get that, that full body wax. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, hopefully we'll see you both later. And yeah, thank you Definitely. for joining
8: thank us. You. Thank you yeah. very for having much. us Cheers. Thank you. <laughs>
7: So, Kenneth, I promised you
0: an AI session, but these are in-demand at IFC. Uh, I went to see Kaz McGrath present, but the queue was too long at the end, so I didn't catch up before the next session. But I haven't let you down. I've got the highlights from another AI presentation. Harold, the guy you interviewed earlier on, and Sal from Fundraise App, talking trends and solutions for nonprofits. Enjoy.
7: Hello, everybody. Can you hear me Okay. Can you hear me okay? Way at the back. We're going to have a fantastic session, Unleash the Power of AI, with Sal from Fundraise Up and Harold from Microsoft. So you've definitely come to the right place. I'm James Tennett from the Resource Alliance. Just to say, this is one of our very special sessions that's also being streamed online. We have 400 people joining IFC online this year. Without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Harold.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, James. It's a pleasure to be here. This is a cool session, because it's like a double feature. So I'm going to be framing a high-level view of some of the AI research I came across. I want to show you quickly how we use AI at Microsoft, how we think about responsible AI, and I hand it over to Sal, who's going to really take it uh, home by showing you a lot more granular ideas about how we can uplevel the donor experience. About 25 years ago, I was living in Silicon Valley, and I worked at a company called Sun Microsystems. They were like small pockets of nerds focused on machine learning expert systems. And then over the course of the next 25 years, 20 of which I spent at Microsoft, I saw these nerds becoming larger in numbers. All of a sudden, there's whole organizations, hundreds and thousands of them, working on AI, still I didn't really see a lot of evidence that this is the game changer that we think it is today. So fast forward a couple more years. Microsoft makes a strategic investments in open AI. Large language models explode. And by now, everybody is talking about ChatGPT. thousands of versions out there. I know some of you may be thinking, oh, my God, not another session on AI. But here we are. So stuck with me for a little bit. But I really love this visualization. Anybody here loves hot peppers? A hot pepper is not just like any other hot pepper. There are huge differences. And so if you go all the way up on the hot pepper scale, this is also a way of thinking about the explosive growth of ChatGPT. I think many of us can maybe more relate to Spotify. Spotify has one-third of the weekly users that ChatGPT has. So something is going on. So just a few glimpses on tools that we use day-to-day at Microsoft. In Bing now, you have access to ChatGPT 4 and more recently, also the integration of Dolly. so you can do a lot of image visualization creative work. That's free, a free tool in, in the browser in Edge and Bing. We had talked about meeting summary and notes. Teams Premium now has the ability, if you click on Recap, to not just show you the full video capture of the meeting that you missed, but you can very quickly kind of filter by topic or by speaker, so if you just are interested in the conversation about inventory surplus, it's highlighted there marked for you, and then the video playback will only go to those topics that are of interest to you, so you don't have to listen 60 minutes of blah, blah. Or you can toggle over to speak and say, I just want to know what Harold has talked about because he's the most interesting man in the world. Or you get just the high-level summary and what are the tasks, so it's quite powerful and I've used it for a while now and I'm actually convinced that it definitely beats my note-taking capabilities. And so all these things, as I said earlier, are gonna be woven into all the applications so I can prompt PowerPoint to say, give me five slides, based on this Word document, and it will do it for you. And again, it may not be the PowerPoint that you are proud of, but you have something to work off from. You have a first draft. I think that the middle headline is the takeaway. It's like, never start from scratch. Never start with a blank page. Just give it a prompt, uh, get going, know that it's not gonna be perfect, know that it's generated by AI, but you can probably move a lot faster this way. Okay, I'm so pleased to hand the mic over to Sal, who's really going to give you, um, I think, a much more grounded view into what can be done with AI. Thank you, guys.
6: Over to me. Thanks, James. All right. Before we get started, my parents have never seen me speak, so I'm just going to get a picture here with everyone. Say hi. Let's dive in. My name is Salvatore Salpietro. Sal, the whole name takes too long. I'm the Chief Partnership Officer at Fundraise Up. So now what, right? We've learned some deep stuff from Harold. There's a lot out there, a lot of things we can apply. This is where we wanna bring all of this tech back to impact and results, and why are we doing it? Why learn AI? Why invest our time in this? We all have a lot of free time, right? We're doing this for the happiness of the donor. What does happiness look like there? And who's setting their expectations? Well, the nonprofit and donor relationship, don't kid yourself, it is no different than a consumer and brand relationship. The expectations of your donor are set by their consumer life. People aren't making donations every day, but they are buying a coffee with an Apple Pay in one click every day. So that's the standard that they're, li- they're putting you to. You've got to have similar tactics and approaches as those brands to meet those expectations. Otherwise, we're not going to have the happiness metric met. Uh, we're going to look for places where the robots can help us or AI can help. First one was PayPal. Simply offering PayPal gets you an increase in revenue of 10%. Find a way to add PayPal, 10% more revenue out of the box on average. About 20 to 25% of donors will choose it if available. That means about half of those that choose PayPal will not give if you do not have PayPal. That is a simple math that is a shortcut to a 10% growth in your individual giving program if you are not currently offering PayPal. I want to double-click on payment methods for a second. I would think maybe 80, 90 percent of nonprofits are not offering many digital wallets as payment methods—Apple Pay, Google Pay, etc. AI isn't just "write this for me, give me some subject lines for my email." AI can be really behind-the-scenes engine stuff that's making decisions based on correlative data. I won't use words that fancy very often. You can show different payment methods based on what's the gift size, what's the amount they're asking, what's the demographic. Did you know Bing paid ads have the highest average gift value across browsers? So if we see Microsoft Edge browser, we see a higher gift value. Why? It's usually pre-installed on your laptop, and an elderly demographic has more money and they have more time, and they don't change their browser because they just use what came in the box. So they're giving a larger gift. So AI will start picking out trends and go, oh, I see. This one came in Bing at 3 in the morning, et cetera, et cetera. Hundreds of data points. And you say, maybe we should ask for a different amount. Or maybe we should offer these payment methods. right? If we see them coming in on an Apple device, Apple Pay is going to go to the top. Because we're going to reorder and resort based on your most likely conversion and prioritize that. Let's get into the next ones, mailing address or other data. This isn't possible everywhere, right? Some countries, you require a mailing address. So you can increase conversion by 20% by making an address field optional. Excuse me, can we please get some autocomplete on the address fields? Because I don't think any of us have finished typing our entire address in the last 10 years on a digital device, right? When you're in Uber, you start typing, and it just knows where you are. Amazon knows where you are. Everything knows. where you finishes your address for you, Google Maps. We talked about new tab on a different domain. Opening your donation form in a new tab from your website, 10% gone. 10% of people don't make it. Let's look at the robot again, varying ask amount by donor. This is, ex- this is so commonplace in e-commerce. Your Uber costs one amount today, it costs a different amount tomorrow. The hotel costs one amount today, it costs... Similarly, we can look at correlative data that supports differences. I talked to you about Bing. iPhone donors give 30% higher gifts than Google Pay. People give about 20% more at 2 in the morning versus 2 in the afternoon. We can draw conclusions as to why. I'm tired, I'm depressed, I'm drunk, I'm whatever, right? I added an extra zero by an accident to my gift because I wasn't (laughs) seeing straight, whatever it might be. Um, But there are tons of data points that contribute to getting correlative AI analysis on what to ask who. Someone in London earns more and gives more than somebody who might be out in the countryside. It's not just what we feel. There's a threshold for what people want to give for children versus animals and we have to know what that price point is. AI can work out the price point for us. Allowing regular gift management, right? Allowing a donor to easily cancel their subscription, AI. Nobody wants to talk to you. Sorry, it's not you, it's us. Nobody wants to call you and talk about their gift that they might need to make a change to. It's it's not comfortable. So, Offering self-serve tools to automate donor care, this not only increases trust, but it improves retention. Looking at this, this is a a screenshot from our platform. This is an AI-powered mechanism that knows when and what to pitch and ask to retain a donor that clicks on cancel. We found that 96% of people that click cancel regular donation do nothing. They just want to know that I have a stop button should I need it. They work. 3% chose an alternative option, one being change the amount, and then the next one being, okay, I just want to cancel. Okay, but for how long? So 1% of them actually canceled. Asking the donors to cover fees. They're conditioned already by Ticketmaster and Uber and the service fee and the convenience fee. They're conditioned. And if they love your organization and you've given them a good experience, they're even more likely to do this. Over half are doing it. Like I said, it's dependent on a positive experience, and AI will understand when not to ask. So in our platform, we apply something where uh, the AI starts figuring out what is the the piss-the-donor-off threshold, right? And if I'm giving you a 1,000 pounds and you lob an extra 50 on there, you pissed me off. I was going to give you a 1,000 and you want another 50? Nah, abandon. We saw a higher abandonment rate. So we said, AI, figure this out for me. I don't know, what I don't, these people are, 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 are sensitive, figure it out. And AI's working to say, okay, we'll let them opt into it on this amount. So we're at the end, last screen. Thank you everybody for the patience as we uh, uh, got through this.
16: You're listening to the Do More Good podcast all the way from Nordvig at the International Fundraising Congress.
0: We've just finished dinner. We had an amazing conversation over dinner. Could you just introduce yourself for us and where you're from?
3: First of all, thank you so much, James. Uh, my name is Irfan. I am from India. I represent bumi actually India's largest volunteer-driven NGOs. And I'm also the author of India's first book on the social impact and potential of online crowdfunding. And how
0: was your journey here? How was your career led you to this point here at IFC?
3: Two events, I think, or two uh, instances uh, in my life uh, led me to fundraising. One was, we discussed this concept, right, uh, of the madness of the crowd Mm. and the wisdom of the crowd. Uh, So I'm from Kashmir. It's a, you know, uh, the conflict runs relatively higher in uh, Kashmir. So, for most of my life, I used to see a lot of violence on the streets. This made me cognizant of this uh, term, which I very later in life came to know about, the madness of the crowd. Mm. When a lot of people get together, their capability or their ability to cause harm, it exponentially increases. So, for the longest of time of my life, I think I, I had that fear of the crowd. Then, in 2014 there were these massive floods in Kashmir. And uh, I was just a bystander, right? Like I uh, I looked at everything and uh, the devastation of it mm. was massive. We were like a few friends and we decided maybe we'll do something about it, right? Like in our own capacity, whatever we can do. So we decided to uh, go uh, do this door-to-door fundraising campaign. I didn't know then that what it was even called. We just decided to knock on people's doors and uh, ask them for money. Some people gave the money, some people decided to just give us clothing Mm. and others uh, gave us some medicines. That was the first time, my first tryst with uh, this concept of fundraising. Then... uh, was able to uh, get a full scholarship to the university of rochester in new york the degree that i was pursuing was bachelor's in financial economics yeah at least uh, you know what was the expectation or uh, i was supposed to become an investment banker right, <laughs> right. How's, how's that going <laughs> I, i'm so glad i dodged that bullet <laughs> right so I came back for uh, one summer. Mm. I started this NGO called the Federation for Peace and Development. Mm. It was an absolute debacle. (laughs) I couldn't get it started. But uh, my work during then also made me realize how much work needs to be done at the grassroots. I decided to come back from the US. Then I joined Keto, which is one of India's largest crowdfunding uh, Mm -hmm. platforms. There I realized that there is a huge research vacuum in yes. the domain of crowdfunding. Right. Like, I was seeing certain practices in the crowdfunding ecosystem and I wasn't happy with the direction mm. that the crowdfunding sector was going in. Mm. It, and it's a completely unregulated domain in India. I wanted to do something about it. So I decided to put my research skills, my writing skills to good use and one year later after collecting uh, lots of data after studying lots of research papers i published a book with uh, my co-author ravina bans yeah. and it was it was an instant hit like <laughs> uh, we we didn't expect that people would people would give such good response to the book yeah. and it uh, garnered quite a decent c- coverage also i think one of the segments we got was from the bbc itself so that that was huge, right? Like well. we had no clue that uh, yeah. that would work.
0: What I love about that story is right back at the beginning, we're talking about the theme that we have here at IFC of uniting. So that's you and your friends uniting to raise money, and then the wider society around you also uniting to give, whether it's whether it's money or or clothes. It's a nice synergy with what we're what we're doing here.
3: True, true, true. Uh, I think uh, that's the beauty in crowdfunding, right? Mm. Like uh, people coming together for a cause. So that is then. A glimpse into the wisdom of the crowd. Yeah. So yeah. a huge contrast yeah. from what I think my earlier experiences in life were that led me to believe that there is this madness in the crowd.
0: Yeah. And you're coming from that from a, from the standpoint of, of working in India. You have over a billion people. It's a very emerging financial market that you've got going on there.
3: Is there anything really
0: standing out for, from that for you?
3: So one is the sheer number of religious giving That happens in India. Mm. So, fun fact: India has this law that all corporates are mandated to give 2% of their profits towards the development sector. That entire amount comes up to be 21,000 crores. Now, just the religious giving amounts to, I think it's between 24,000 to 28,000 crores. So, those are pretty massive numbers. And then What we've seen with major crowdfunding platforms is that they've seen a double-digit compounded annual growth rate. Mm. And uh, I think it peaked during COVID when it was growing uh, around 26% also. That's amazing, isn't it? Those are unreal numbers. But I'm sure right a lot of that was also driven by this this sudden surge in generosity. Mm. And a lot of NGOs are now also feeling the reversal effects also yeah Overall, with an economy like India, right, uh, very recently, I think we crossed uh, one point four billion. Uh, the magic number now we are more uh, populous country than even China yeah right yeah. Uh, so the potential is huge yeah we 've got good tailwinds hmm. this decade or even this century is uh, considered by a lot of economists India's century, so the purchasing power parity, the GDP per capita is supposed to increase. I don't know. Maybe someone would have to really mess it real bad <laughs> <It's not laughs> for gonna, that to not, to not be the in. case. It's not <laughs> right.
0: In. Yeah. Ifan, thank you for your time. Uh, it's been great
3: chatting to you. Th- thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thank really you. Uh, it's been wonderful. Conversation that you
7: had yeah. Four years ago. Already. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that was good. For our listeners' benefit we
0: are joined by <laughs> father of the show, Ben Schwartz. Uh, in the bar, would it be a do more good episode at a conference if Ben wasn't included? I don't, I don't think it would.
7: No, it just wouldn't have that kind of final seal of, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's the word that I'm approval looking for? of approval, from Ben? Um, class, yeah. sophistication. I mean, this is a man who oozes all of those attributes. At least he
0: does um, until eight o'clock tonight, when he turns <laughs> up at the gala dinner. Yeah.
7: yeah. Uh, so I couldn't find where well, I wanted to go it was Gary Mabbott. <laughs> because he's a Spurs legend and it's about legends and meds but I couldn't find a wig uh, so the only wig I have at home is a grey Dumbledore wig um,
6: so I found my 1999 Spurs kit and instead I'm going to go as David Shinola yes. <laughs> yes. it's a good look I think it's I can pull look. it off I think, <laughs> I,
7: think <you> <laughs> I, think, I think you can pull it off You know, a little bit of uh, a French accent uh, yeah
0: was, je ne sais quoi. quoi je ne sais ben, quoi yeah. Yeah. Ben Le yeah. Right. yeah. easy Ben, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. We, yeah. will, we will catch up with you later uh, when you're fully kitted up. Can't wait. <laughs> See you
6: later, boys.
0: Getting a bit sweaty. We are here <laughs> to announce the winners of the fancy
8: <laughs>
11: dress competition. Ooh.
15: Ready? Get up there. Get on the chair. Ready? So <laughs> I'm going to let you know who has won the
11: best individual costume and it is a amazing woman dressed as a forest nymph. Esther, where are you at? Genius.
10: You're listening to the Do More Good podcast, live from the International Fundraising Congress in 2023.
7: I'm good. Yeah. working? Yeah, you're picking
18: up. Do you mind just saying anything? Uh, yeah, hello, hello.
7: Right, James, it's the um, almost the end of IFC. I know. But, you know, we've had a great time. We have. We're about to have a better time because we've got an amazing person who's just come along and we're sat in the uh, dining area, which we're not allowed to be we shouldn't be allowed to be in here but let me just let our guest introduce herself just let us know your name and and, and where you're from
18: Uh, hi everyone my name is Olga and I'm from Ukraine
7: thank you so much for talking to us how has the experience been for Olga at IFC this year
18: it is amazing uh, this year because it's my first year at IFC yes. and everything new, new connections, uh, new experience, a lot of new information, insights and yeah, that's amazing, I like it so much.
0: And how, how did you end up here? Was it people telling you to come? Did you find it yourself and just thought you fancied a ticket or what led to you, led to you coming this year?
18: I have heard a lot about this uh, event because everyone said that it's the best event for fundraisers like all around the world. So you should come here. Uh, yeah, that's why I'm here. Okay. Okay. And
7: tell us about your fundraising. So who do you work for and what are you fundraising for?
18: I work for a Ukrainian charity, which is called... I understand it sounds so unfamiliar for you but I'll explain that it means small pills in Ukrainian and we help children with cancer in Ukraine Ukrainian children with cancer and we are doing that for the last 12 years Wow and How long uh, have you worked there? I worked for three years and uh, now I'm responsible for development of new connections and new opportunities, not just inside of Ukraine, but also internationally. Uh, so we are uh, looking for new connections and new donors uh, all around the world. Okay.
7: And Olga, this uh, apologies. I hope you don't mind talking about this, but you know we know that everything that's happened in Ukraine recently. In solidarity to you and family, and I'm sure it continues to impact you daily. How has what's happened impacted your work with the charity and your fundraising career?
18: I would say that you are never ready for that. You can't prepare. Uh, You never know. We didn't know that. We didn't feel that it will happen. Mm. You just wake up and you understand that that's it. Everything changed. And... It impacted a lot on our fundraising thing uh, because we lost almost half of our donors because all of the donors uh, before the full-scale invasion, uh, they were Ukrainians. Ukrainian people, uh, Ukrainian companies, international companies who are presented in Ukraine, so like their uh, local offices. Obviously, with economical situation getting worse, uh, with uh, military becoming the main priority for the whole country, our fundraising incomes becoming less and less. And that's why we were facing the situation when we needed to find other ways how to attract donors and how to do that outside of Ukraine. And we continue doing that. There are a lot of challenges. Everything is new for us. Mm. was one year ago. And uh, now we uh, made a long way, uh, we find new donors and we are building new relationships with them uh, and we continue fighting and we continue doing that.
0: It's not as if a war stops children getting cancer, no, that continues, that goes on, it's all of the other, you know, the war obviously comes in and like you say, it becomes a massive priority for, the, for your country and your donors, but it doesn't stop everything else, that still happens. And and personally for you, your life has changed in that now you've moved to the the UK and you're fundraising from here.
18: Yeah, that's true that everything changed, but at the same time, some things are still Still the same. uh, Yeah, exist. And unfortunately, uh, the war in Ukraine didn't cancel the cancer Mm. and children continue having their treatments and they need help. And now they're facing actually two wars. Mm -hmm. One war inside of their country and the other war inside of their bodies. Mm. And that's why we need to protect them and we need to continue helping them.
7: Olga, huge credit to you. I stand here amazed by how you've managed to do what you do. I find it difficult to comprehend what you've been through and how you continue to, to work towards what you believe in and the cause. As you were talking there and you talked about moving to a new country and you talked about finding new donors and Mm. you talked about new fundraising it sounds like you've had to learn a lot over the past however long it's been new experiences new ways of working do you think you you've have learned a lot and had to adapt
18: Uh, I would say that there are uh, two main characteristics (laughs) which I can describe myself and not just me and my colleagues also it's resilience mm. and uh, agility. Yeah, because everything, every new day, there are new challenges, and you are looking for new approaches. you try, you fail, sometimes you are succeed. Uh, but then you try again, and repeat, repeat, it' repeat. Uh, and it's all about learning, and it's all about trying, and it's all about moving. Every each day.
0: Mm. And as Kenneth says, you've, you've adapted and found new donors. Um, are those donors coming from different places now? Have you spread your wings and are you able to find them from other places? I mean, are you finding support within the UK? Uh,
18: within the UK, also. Uh, there are donors from all around the Europe also some of them are from Canada, from the United States mm. we received a huge support from other countries that's true and we are really grateful for that but it doesn't mean that tomorrow it's enough for us that tomorrow we know that uh, we have funding to continue our work mm. we had a huge income in the first month of full-scale invasion. We saw that everyone wanted to help because people were disagree with that cruel actions of Russia and they wanted to do something, so they converted it into the nations. Mm. But uh, to make it sustainable we need to continue doing that and uh, yeah, we have great partners, one of them for example, Choose Love, if we are talking about uh, United Kingdom, yeah Yeah. Choose Love, supports us and we uh, have this like really, I would say, trustful connection and we are really grateful for them
7: If there's anyone listening to this who's heard your story as you described to us today and wants to donate or find out more about the organization and the work that you do where 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 should they go where would you point them to
18: i would say please google tablet <laughs>
0: i'm gonna say it's in the show notes we've included it in the show notes
18: please link is here push the button yeah, uh, yeah you will find uh, us Okay. Yeah, brilliant. Um,
0: so you've enjoyed your experience here at IFC. What what lessons are you going to take take back? What you take home and try and apply in your work from from IFC?
18: Top of mind, <laughs> uh, it's networking. I think yeah. IFC is the best place for networking and for receiving ex- new experience, and uh, new insights uh, from other people and it's like the best place for that and you uh, can continue communicating with them after uh, this amazing event
0: yeah i think our listeners are going to be bored of us saying this but it's as much about the networking as it is the sessions as well isn't it it's about bumping into people like yourself and having a bit of a chat about what we're working opening
7: on. in your horizons mm. thank you so much for sharing that we really appreciate it we'll obviously as we say link to the page on your website on the show notes safe travels when are you heading back to to brighton
18: In a week maybe because yeah, I have a long way (laughs) through the leadership programme which will be in Bratislava Um. and then I'm coming back to Brighton. Oh nice. So you'll be
7: living out of a suitcase for a bit longer.
18: Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) nice
8: to
7: be time. Thank you. Thank
18: Thank you for having me here today. Thank you so much. You well really
0: Well, that's it from IFC twenty twenty three. Over the past three days we've chatted to staff, delegates and speakers. We've got a bunch of episodes to share with you, which I hope you enjoy as much as we have recording them. Kenneth has had to make a rush for his train home, so I'm off to the closing speech and we'll give the final word to one of the three young climate activists invited to speak on the future. Please
1: welcome to the stage your closing plenary host, Ingrid Srinath.
5: So the Italian Marxist philosopher, politician, Antonio Gramsci said, the old world is dying and the new world is struggling to be born. This is the time of monsters, in in our case, literally in some cases. Over the past few days, we've all sought learning inspiration, respite, replenishment, innovation, solidarity, solace with each other. And through our conversations, one common thread that has been running through a lot of the discussions has been the growing acceptance that the system is broken. The nonprofit sector system is broken, the fundraising system is broken, but more importantly, the wider systems, the social, economic and political and governance systems that we live in are broken. And it's not surprising then that so many of us have been speaking about anxiety, about fear, even despair. But simultaneously, we've gotten in touch with hope, with optimism, with inspiration. And collectively, we've united to confront some of the realities of our time. Fortunately, not all of us have been sitting around quoting Italian Marxist philosophers. Our final showstopper is Phoebe Hanson. She's a politics graduate, a Fulbright alumna, multi-award winning advocate focused on democratizing climate solutions and bridging the gap between young people and policymakers. Take it away, Phoebe.
4: introduction um um, i live and breathe education and youth participation which is what i'm going to talk to you about today 70 percent of young people feel hopeless about the climate crisis the climate crisis is already upon us and science tells us that we have less than a decade to prevent irreversible damage and gen z our generation have inherited that challenge but in school my climate education was was very little more than a page in a textbook (laughs) Instead of allowing me to engage with other people, have conversations like we're having here, it was pictures of the Amazon rainforest burning, it was the news, it was everything that we're all seeing on a daily basis. It was crisis, apocalypse, a problem too big to be solved. Instead of problems being paired with solutions, I just saw problems. And when I go into schools now, I talk to young people about how they feel about climate change, and I look in the eyes of children that are terrified that someday they're going to meet the same fate as the rainforests. We can't fix that by hiding the problem. The problem isn't going to go away. It's by giving them ownership and agency over the solutions. Because as a child, I was terrified. All of us were terrified, hopeless about the present, hopeless about the future. But connecting with others, I saw how each of the actions that I thought was small turned into a huge wave of change. Because seeing climate change as something that I could and must contribute to solutions for, it completely changed my life. And to solve climate change, we have to give every young person that experience.
6: Because if children
4: are shown that every day their actions can help save the world, we're going to mobilize a generation that has hope based on the confidence in their own ability. And that's me, by the way, litter picking age 16, which is one of the first actions I ever took for the climate crisis or for the environment. Because if we have that climate education, we're going to show a generation that every job, it can be a green job, every person can be a change maker, no matter who they are, no matter what they do, no matter where they're from. What can happen is creating the youngest policy writers in the UK, our campaign Teach the Future at SOS UK. It created the climate education bill, making our campaigners the youngest people in the UK to write policy. What can happen is a generation that is empowered to make a difference. Because by teaching the future, we can grow truly sustainable solutions for our planet and its people. We can become a truly united movement breaking cycles of inaction, and doing justice to people and planet. In the words of Nelson Mandela, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. And I implore you at this conference to use it. I implore you to involve young people in your operations, involve them in all aspects of your operations, to ensure that you're using the opportunity that we provide to give you unprecedented insight, to give you new ideas, new energy, inject new passion into the things that you do, I implore you to use that skill, to use the opportunity that we give you because we can help each other. Thank you.
5: So to say that was uh, illuminating, inspiring, uplifting. Uh, I think it just doesn't begin to do it justice. I think the message I'm taking away is that young people are changing the world, not just these three here, but millions like them. And the choice for us, really, is do we want to get behind them, or do we want to get out of the way?
14: Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen,
8: your
1: service to London is now ready to leave. Mind the automatic closing of the doors. Safety cards are available
0: at the to each of Our thanks from the train to Viliqi, Ruby, and Kat from the Resource Alliance, to James for the invitation and making this happen, to Helena, Chris, Pete, Tash, Bill, and Erica for sitting down with us and braving the microphones, to Christina, Katerina, Bear, Mikael from the bathroom, Olga, Efran, Alice, Amy, Ben and Sally, Louise and Rebecca, Sal and Harold. BDIFs one and all. And of course, the biggest thanks to the K-Dizzle himself, Kenneth. Sorting out that kebab delivery on Wednesday night was a lifesaver. For more episodes, you can find us at domoregood.uk. We're all over the socials at Do more Good Pod. And as Kenneth says, we're on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash domoregoodpod. I'm getting more odd looks than Kenneth did at the gala when he turned up dressed as Peter Pan. So we'll see you for the next episode of Someone Doing More Good.